Hello everybody, Richard Hart here, especially happy today. Got Lewis Thomas on the show, he's a YouTuber as well. We've got $23 million plus to raise for the Sun Foundation to do medical research to save your life. If it doesn't save your life, it might save your pets' lives, your family's lives, your kids' lives, or humans for the rest of time's lives. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know of any other uh, project or cryptocurrency that's ever generated so much money in just a couple days for charity specifically one that might save your life. The leaderboard has two top guys on it, a $20 million guy that uh, he sacrificed Ethereum, 10,000 Ethereum, and I think the number two guy put in $11.1 million of USDC. And then I think the biggest uh, donation to the Sense Foundation was 10 million out of uh, USDC from Coinbase. And by the way, if you're donating to Sense Foundation and you're in the UK, you need to use their UK addresses at the bottom of the donate page. Lewis, you wanna introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, everyone. My name is uh, Lewis Thomas, and essentially, I'm just interested in getting smart about cryptocurrency investing. That's my thing. That's what I'm interested in. I want to form my own opinions, which is part of the reason why I'm talking to you today, in spite of the controversy that tends to surround you. But that's fine. Uh, I, I find that, you know, typically, um, there's a lot of opposition to the greatest opportunities. And so that's completely fine. Um, I'll be I'm talking to you now on your channel, of course, this will be coming on mine. And so I thought it'd be okay if you indulge me on just a little bit of introduction to yourself as well. And of course, sure. um, I thought it'd be fun to share my own context of how I know you, Sure. if that's all right. And so Good. I've been watching you since I'd say about 2017. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan, I'll just say it is what it is. I've taken a lot of value from your content, both in terms of the kind of the information and the entertainment side of things as well. I mean, there's been a lot of entertaining conversations. Even if you go back to 2017, I would recommend people check out things like your conversation with Roger Ver, Bitcoin Cash. It's just kind of interesting historically. And so I've watched I was right. content. He was yeah. wrong. Yep. History. Yeah. History has a way of kind of vindicating people. And um, and then at some point a few years back, I saw you start talking about Hex and the, and the whole kind of coin you wanted to create there. You're thinking it was interesting to watch that development. And I always thought it was really, really interesting. I was somewhat skeptical about the, the kind of percent chance of success it had. But I did know that if it, if it was going to be successful, it would be um, the price would appreciate a lot because of all the kind of pump mentals you print to it. And so I did put a little bit of hex in myself, put money in tax, and it did extremely well. So I feel like I, I owe you a, a beer or something. For how many that. how many X are you up? Did you ever measure it? Uh, a lot, a lot. Come so. on, man. You never <laughs> measured it. Think about it. Give it a second. I would say I think about 60 or 70 X. OK, before staking or after staking? before okay so you're probably up 120x at least is my guess but okay yeah it's done pretty well it's done yeah. pretty well yeah. and so of course now um i'm watching with a lot of curiosity about what you're doing with with pulse chain as well and so we'll, we'll definitely talk about that but I'll, I'll be putting this on my channel later so i'd be interested just for you to provide a little bit of a kind of introduction to yourself as sure. well for my audience just in case they're not familiar yeah. with who you are yep so i'm richard hart i uh was a retired serial entrepreneur back in 2005 maybe 2003 actually. Um, so I started traveling the world. I used to have an internet marketing company, had 150 employees to 60 million a year turnover. My first business was a car stereo store. My next business was search engine optimization, shopping carts, had a client that did well um, in mortgages, started a mortgage company, tried other things, cash advance loans, miracle cleaner, uh, foreclosure bailouts, and then uh, sold it to start traveling the world. Then uh, got robbed in Central America got out of there. I uh, lived in a hotel for five years, just, you know, going everywhere that seemed nice. 
And then while I was traveling, I used to just play a lot of video games and read this website called Reddit. And I saw that someone tried to make their own money out of thin air called Bitcoin. And some guy had sold his house for it back when it was a dollar. And then uh, I didn't, so I started mining it on my GPUs and I was mining by myself full blocks, 50 Bitcoin block rewards with no pool. That's how early I was. You didn't need a pool to mine your own full 50 Bitcoin block rewards. The price back then was 50 cents. So then the Wired News article came out that showed that there was real adoption on the dark net and I FOMO'd with everybody else and bought the top, helped make the top at 30 and then wrote it down to two and then wrote it up to 1300 and wrote it down to 266 and wrote it up to 20,000. And you know, I've been in this game for about as long as you can be in it. So what else? Yeah, so I was retired multimillionaire in 2003. Bitcoin was invented in 2009. I started mining it in the first quarter of 2011. And now here we are 10 years later in 2021. And I invented some things that are better than Bitcoin because I know what it's good at, I know what it's bad at. And we just invented new features that never existed before. So, you know, people don't realize that in Bitcoin, miners sell the price down and that's all they do. They don't buy Bitcoin, they sell it. What they buy is electricity and hardware. And so the Bitcoin price gets harmed by miners who sell the price down to get money to go pollute the environment and enrich middlemen companies, these ASIC companies that exist in countries that you probably don't live in and they don't talk to you and they're not on Twitter and they don't care whether you live or you die. And you're like, wow, this is not good for the price. It's not good for the environment. And it's completely unnecessary. We've got a dozen other successful proof of stake systems that do not destroy the environment and they work just fine and everything's going great. So why do you have to keep doing the security theater and dumping the price to pretend that's where the value is? The magic is cost is what you pay, value is what you get, and cost is not value. Cost is cost. Negative externality is bad. And so proof of stake systems solve that, HEX solves that. Now we still do have a very small part of negative externality in that we pay Ethereum fees to Ethereum miners, and they have that next negative externality of burning the environment for proof of work. And so I decided I'd solve that too. So Hex is the, I believe the highest performing asset that's ever existed. It's gone up 386,000% in a 557 days, which is about a year and a half. And then that's before staking. And if you were staked for a single day, November 19th of uh, a year ago or two years ago, whatever, one of this, I guess a year ago, they, uh, you've got a minimum of 30% payout for that day. If you staked for one day, you got 30% payout. If you stake for longer, you got over 100% pat. So, and that, and then there's all these other days you got interest that weren't that day. And so, you're looking at 5,000, 6,000 x returns in a year and a half, with 100% flawless function on the uptime on the front end, 100% flawless function and uptime on the back end, 100% uptime of flawless function on the trading, while everything else around us fails. Everybody's downtime. Everybody gets hacked, rug pulled, exploited sending hostage video selfies to exchanges to beg for your money. We don't have any of these problems. So I created a miracle. It does exactly what it was designed to do. And the community is amazing. The logo is amazing. The name is amazing. Everything, everything's amazing. And then for some reason, people just can't believe it. And it reminds me of when Bitcoin launched and I was there. Everyone said Bitcoin is a scam. Everyone said it couldn't work. Everyone said it was a Ponzi scheme. Well, that's funny because here we are 10 years later and it was worth a trillion dollars, a trillion with a T. And the world's richest guy bought billions of it. Governments are buying billions of it. Billionaires are buying billions of it. Now, who was right? 
I was right and I was 10 years early. And then a guy like Michael Saylor that was demonizing Bitcoin in 2013, he's still on Twitter. He didn't delete it. He says, Bitcoin's going to die like online gaming did. He said that in 2013. Then he decides to buy the top. I, I think he's not even in profit now. The billion dollars of Bitcoin that he bought, I don't even think he's in profit, which means if he went to sell with a slippage, he'd be at a loss. So, and this guy's got a million followers, but I was there 10 years earlier. I know more about it than he does. I made more money on it than he did. And you're just like, hey man, what is going on here? <laughs> it's just funny to me, you know? I mean, you see him on, you see him in interviews saying literally sell your house, mortgage your business, sell everything you own and just buy the world's, you know, safest, most durable asset. And you're like, wait a second, like my new coin doesn't inflate at all. Pulse doesn't inflate at all. You guys inflate 1.8% a year now. Which one's harder? <laughs> you guys have had two inflation bugs where anyone could mint as many free coins as they wanted. It's never happened in Ethereum, never. So you're, you're like, hey guys, let's measure the reality, you know? And so I, I think people really, I come so harsh and so strong with reality that these, these sycophant, you know, PC, politically correct little soy boys, they can't handle it. They can't handle the truth. They can't take it. And so they just start screaming, oh, scam, scam, scam. You're like, scam, really? Everyone on my team's winning. We're, we're killing everything. You guys are the ones that are in pain out there. Bitcoin's at half of its all-time high. Ethereum's at half of its all-time high. Hexamate all-time high a couple days ago. We're killing everything, and they're sad about it. So some of them will join us, and then some of them will just stay butthurt. Like Peter Schiff will hate Bitcoin forever. Okay, fine. Just keep being a loser. And then some people will hate Hex forever. They can just keep being losers. Now, what's funny is there's people that, that hate Hex but love Pulse, which is very interesting to me. Like the founders of other very large cryptocurrencies, they're like, Hex didn't interest me, but Pulse, we're getting in. And this is founders of other large, old cryptocurrencies telling me this in person. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> That's great. You touched on a lot there. Uh, I feel like in terms of guiding this conversation, I think it's a good place to start with Pulse Chain, sure. since this is essentially your your newest project that you're working mm -hmm. on. And so again, for people who may not be familiar with you or Pulse, would you mind just giving a sort of elevator pitch for what yeah, sure. Pulse is exactly? Well, Bitcoin tried to be the world's first cryptocurrency and it did that. And it tried to be peer-to-peer -peer digital cash. Cash, failed entirely. Nobody uses it in a peer-to-peer -peer format. It takes an hour to do a transfer. It takes, uh, you know, 20 bucks, 15 bucks, 10 bucks to do a transfer. Maybe it's three bucks now because the bear market. I don't know. It's just too expensive, low throughput, no features. You want to de-risk, you want to get into a stable coin to take off your, your crypto uh, risk for a little bit. Start begging middlemen. Please, middleman, let me send you my Bitcoin. Please send me some stable coins back. It's all disgusting. It's all terrible. Two inflation bugs. Ethereum is better than that. You want a stable coin? It's on the network. You want leverage? It's on the network. You want options? It's on the network. You want anonymity? You want ZK rollups, anonymity, tornado.cash? It's on the network. You want anonymity in Bitcoin? Probably not going to happen, dude. Good luck hoping that in your coin mixing rotation that the other members of the anonymity set aren't just one guy and then they all know which one you were. And how do you know it's not? So, you know, it's like Ethereum has vastly superior throughput roadmap feature set. It's just way, way better, which is why from the COVID dip to the top, Ethereum outperformed Bitcoin by 3x. So when you look at like Hex, Hex is up 750x versus Bitcoin in a year and a half, and it's only up like 200x versus Ethereum because Ethereum beat Bitcoin so hard. But even as great as Ethereum is, it's got problems. So a couple months ago, it cost $300 to do a swap. It cost $100 to transfer an ERC-20. It cost $50 to transfer Ethereum. It's unacceptable. It's not okay. A lot of use cases, a lot of apps got priced out and could no longer function. So along comes Pulse Chain, 
and Pulse Chain re-enables all of those apps to be able to function again because the fees start out at zero and it has higher throughput and it doesn't destroy the environment and it has better price performance because it burns 25% of the fees and there's no inflation. And it's better than Ethereum 2.0. So Ethereum 2.0 is trying to fix the problems with Ethereum 1.0. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to get rid of the miners. Okay, Pulse Chain does that. They're trying to reward people to hold with staking. But the problem is in that system, you've got to have 60, 32 ETH in order to be a staker. That's $64,000. So what is everyone going to do? They're going to give their keys to middlemen, the opposite of why cryptocurrency was invented. And we've already seen over 100,000 Ethereum, which is about $200 million lost to people collecting people's keys to mine Ethereum 2.0 for them. And it doesn't even, this network doesn't even exist yet. And people have already lost $100 million because it's a poor design. It's a terrible design. And so even if you had 32 ETH, now you got to go into the business of being a server administrator. And if you have downtime or a bit flip because of the cosmic ray hit your CPU, you get to get slashed and lose money. So you, you get to buy yourself a job for 64 grand and start buying servers and running them. And it's going to be very hard. It's a terrible design. And after all that, you get to beta test brand new software and lose your money to find out where all the bugs are. That ain't no fun. That ain't no fun. So taking Ethereum 1.0 that has had years of hardening because people have lost so much money using it, they know where the bugs are and they fixed them. And using that and removing the miners and using a proof of stake system where you could delegate your stake to somebody else. And then they never have your keys. You hold your keys and then you don't have to have 32 ETH. It's just a, it's a better design. So, and we burn 25% of the coins and Ethereum 2.0 doesn't even do that. Ethereum 2.0 doesn't have coin burning. So we're going to beat Ethereum 2.0 to market with all the coins. It's a full system state. This is going to be the largest airdrop ever in history. 10,000 coins that are on Ethereum will now be on Pulse Chain. And your keys just work. You don't have to do anything. The keys just work. You go into MetaMask, you change one network setting, you're on Pulse Chain instead of Ethereum. Because it's, it's a geth fork. It's basically the same stuff. And our team has already improved Ethereum. Our commits, one of our commits, has already been adopted and accepted upstream into geth which is 90 percent of the ethereum network and our developers are awesome and the only thing we're waiting for is they're building out the server infrastructure now so that we can release the access to the gitlab so that everyone can read the code and start compiling and see how awesome it is that's the only thing we're waiting on right now and like i pray it happens this week please please happen this week because the sacrifice phase is over in uh in two weeks basically so in two weeks and like i don't know eight hours or 12 hours or 14 hours or something you're not going to be able to sacrifice um, and get points for a free pulse. And you can also give a charity, sens.org. You'll get 75% of the points you'd get, but you also might get a tax write-off and you could support medical research. It might save your life. So we're fixing everything. We're, we're saving the environment. We're saving your life. We're, you know, getting people's keys into their hands, removing counterparty risk, removing metal men. We're the world's largest airdrop. It's just all amazing. Yeah, you mentioned that sacrifice phase. Would you mind going into a bit more detail about that? Yeah, sure. I feel like that's, that's quite confusing for people. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy. So new coins come into existence all the time, and they get airdropped for free to users of a specific set. And so, you know, one inch uh, airdrop users of one inch, and then they use their own game theory metrics as to who would get more and who would get less. Uniswap airdropped liquidity providers and users of Uniswap and venture capitalists and their core team and they got to choose game theory as to how they would divide up the ownership of that new coin. Worked out fine, it's worth billions of dollars. Duct taped on token, 
duct taped right on zoop it was a totally functional product worked fine they duct taped this token on everyone got to make billions of dollars because people love their duct taped on tokens for some reason okay cool love uniswap the invention by the way i think it's a fantastic invention um but duct taping a token on it's it's not interesting um and then what are other tokens that got away for free that have game theory grt or grc or g i don't know gitcoin had a, a token tornado cash has a token and hexagons have used these because I've advertised them very early and they've given qualified for these. So hexagons made a killing in the Uniswap airdrop, millions and millions, millions in the one inch airdrop. Not sure if millions, but I think millions in the tornado cash airdrop, you know, and now I think there's a Fox, a Fox uh, airdrop from the, the shapeshift guys and hexagons are going to make millions on that too. So if anybody's listening to this, a hexagon, go see if you get your Fox airdrop for free from the, uh, the shapeshift guys and go dump it and consider sacrificing it for the Sense Foundation or consider sacrificing it at Pulse.info for points for, you know, free tokens of the future. Technically, you're making a political statement that you believe blockchains are speech and speech is a protected human right. So that's what the sacrifice is to create that set of people that's going to get free stuff. And so the sacrifice basically is a way to create a set of people of similar political mind that you want to airdrop free things to. So all these other previous airdrops had their own game mechanics as to who would get the free coins. And this is the game mechanics that I chose. You want to donate to charity, you get points. You want to sacrifice these other addresses to prove a political statement, you get points. And that's the vast majority of all the, all the points. So like the, the Ethereum holders are diluted by 10,000 X. So if you're an Ethereum holder, you're going to get one ten thousandth of what you used to have as far as percentage, ship, percentage ownership of the network, because you're going to be diluted by 10,000 X. And you said that it'll be next few weeks, did you say, of kind of mainnet, mainnet official Well, code's been done for like a while. And just having done code is not enough. You need the server infrastructure to seed the network for everyone else to like pull down all the blocks. Because if you want to run an archive node, you're going to have to seed, I don't know, a terabyte, terabyte or two. I can't even remember how much. It's about one or two terabytes of uh, historical Ethereum data, historic Ethereum data. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to lobby the devs to like cut corners and just, because it's just a test net. It doesn't matter if it fails. We don't need 100% uptime like we have everywhere else. The test net can go down. No one cares. It's not worth money. It's test net. So I'm going to try and convince the devs to like cut corners and get the test net out quicker with just less load balancing and redundancy and DDoS protection and all that stuff. Like just fine, don't have those things and just get us to market quicker so we can show the code and brag about it. And then you could redo it with all that fancy crap later and have a second testnet, you know? So I think we're going to have a couple iterations of testnets because there's a lot of, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff, right? Like there's, we have to, there's a 30 day, if you get free pulse as an Ethereum holder, you're going to get that taken away from you and deducted 30 days later. Cause we're not going to reward people that are, you know, not participating. We're not going to reward apathy. We reward engagement. We don't reward apathy. So you got to test that. And then you got to test that the set of all the sacrificers, you know, their keys work properly. And then you got to test that a, a, a bot or contract or whatever you want to call it goes and repairs all the ratios and all the automated market pairs because Pulse is so much more plentiful than Ethereum was that all of those, they need to have the Pulse side um, moved up to make up for all the extra Pulse that's in the world so that those ratios all kind of make sense again. And there's like, you know, two point, I, I guess that about 2.5% of supply is going to need to be inflated in order to balance all those out. So yeah, so, you know, it's awesome. 
Yeah, that's cool. I feel like we got a solid, solid intro to Pulse there. So at mm-hmm. this point now, I have some more critical questions for mm-hmm. you. And so you point to a large part of the kind of reason for Pulse being uh, issues with Ethereum. Lord knows Ethereum has plenty of those fees and whatnot. I've seen this kind of rhetoric come from many other projects who try to re- release their own kind of smart contract platform mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. even back to 2017, you had the likes of EOS that claimed to be, or Neo that claimed to be more scalable. In 2021, you've got the likes of Solana and you've got um, Binance Smart Chain, of course. Mm-hmm. And so with all these other kind of rivals who generally haven't really kind of eaten into Ethereum that much, I would say, what, what would make, um, what would differentiate Pulse in that respect? I, I, well, first, I wouldn't say that they haven't eaten to, into Ethereum. Matic and BFC has taken huge chunks out of Ethereum. Huge. Okay. So there's over $8 billion of coins in Matic, last I looked. And that has admin keys, and they could steal all your money whenever they want. Or freeze it forever, at least. That's disgusting. That's the exact opposite of why cryptocurrency was invented. So for the record, if you want to sacrifice your Matic or a bunch of other top coins on Matic, the sacrifice phase supports it. <laughs> it supports a lot of different chains. Um, so Matic, you know, it's, a, it's just a fork of Ethereum with higher throughput, but disgusting admin keys. BSC is just a fork of Ethereum with higher throughput, but instead of rewarding the original founders of projects like Uniswap, they make copies of it and then enrich the copycats. So in our system, we bring the entire system state. So now you're enriching the original founders instead of copycats. And we come with all the coins. It doesn't launch blank. And there's no admin keys. So it's a, it's a better BSC. It's a better Matic. It's a better Ethereum. And, and having, you know, if you look at the chat room alone, I have been talking about hacks for years for years and there's only 25,000 people in the chat room there's like 35,000 people in the pulse chain chat room and it's only been open for a couple months people understand pulse easier because it's it's just like hey it's ethereum but better when you try and explain hex their eyes glaze over they're like what huh it's just crazy they they just can't seem to get it for some reason so pulse is an easier sales pitch and if you look at it, I mean, Ethereum does have a larger market cap than Hex. You know, it has a 2x larger market cap than Hex currently. And so it, it is currently known to be a very profitable market. And if you look at the appreciation of other coins with l- smaller feature sets like Matic or BSC, they've done extremely well. Even Ethereum Classic, which is a joke, is worth billions and billions and billions of dollars and gets 51% attacked all the time. No one cares. Still worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, even though it's, you know, relatively not useful like so <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah. we're beating ethereum 2.0 to market with a superior product it's awesome okay. and and so you said as well that there's going to be um, for every kind of erc20 token that'll be one transporter yeah. we'll call them pulse. prc20s yeah okay prc20 so, uh, yeah. prc20s mm-hmm. i have a question I, I know you've been asked this before i'd be interested in any kind of updated thoughts you have on this i'm struggling to get my head around the actual kind of valuation of these coins um, oh sure, so you, yeah. Whether it's whether it's hex or something, yeah, really different chain link, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any updated thoughts? Is it in terms of is it rough percentage? Will it be worth roughly half on hex or something like that? Or? Well, I mean, so this is a really well designed system. I've done a lot of good things here. Some countries tax you on value when you have dominion and control over it and could have sold it for money. They want tax. So it's wonderful and perfect and beautiful to receive coins when they have no value. And so if you receive your coins when they have no value, they can go up and up and up and up and you you don't have any tax unless you sell. So like Satoshi invented Bitcoin, 
minted a million coins for himself, doesn't owe any tax unless he sells. So making sure that Pulse and all of the tokens on it launch at zero value is a design consideration. We take it very seriously. Now, let's say that network's up, everyone's got their coins, they're trading around their valueless coins, and then lo and behold, the first price is found. Now, where will that price come from? I think it may come from a bridge between the Ethereum network and the Pulse network. And then someone that is trading on a pair on that bridge can decide what they're willing to part with their stuff for. So I, I, and then once one thing has value, so once Pulse has value, everything else has value that's in Uniswap because you can route from anything on Uniswap to anything else. And so once Pulse has value, all of the PRC20s are gonna have value. And then we're gonna get to find out things that are truly interesting. For instance, Tether used to be fractionally reserved, might still be, but used to be, because they had $600 million seized by a Polish bank or seized by the Polish government from a Polish bank. Still held its peg. So we have proof, we have evidence that stablecoins can hold their peg when fractionally reserved. How far fractionally reserved can a stablecoin go and still hold its peg? Can it go to zero fractional reserve? We're gonna find out because you're not gonna be able to redeem your Pulse USDT for dollars. You're not gonna be able to redeem your Pulse USDC for dollars. You're not gonna be able to redeem your Pulse USDC or, U or DAI for dollars, but you will be able to like get the locked other tokens that allowed you to mint those. So basically no one in the world knows what value stablecoins will have on Pulse chain, but I'm willing to bet it's not zero. The stupidest coins in the universe created out of thin air that literally just changed the, the logo. Hey, it's Shibu Inu, Red Inu, Bikini Inu, Baby Doji Inu. You're just like, is this real life? Is this, is this the, the industry that I'm in? Because this is disgusting. I hate this. You just change the JPEG, and then now it's a new thing. And you just keep changing the logo. That's what you're doing now? Yeah, that's what they're doing. So if those things have value, I would imagine that the stablecoin would have value too. You know. And now look, they, they do have admin keys. They could nuke all the coins, but then they might get sued by their users because they would have just robbed their users if they had value and they invalidated them all. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens, and particularly the stablecoin case. Yeah, I, I very much agree with you. I think there's definitely going to be a non-zero value. I can't figure out who would who would be audacious enough to actually buy those things themselves to buy a stablecoin on Hex. Here's or the magic. Even. Here's the magic. Unisocks. You know what unisocks are? Yeah. Is a joke. Well, the audience doesn't, so I'm telling. Unless you want to tell them. I'll tell. No, feel free. Feel okay. Free. So the, the founders of Uniswap decided as a joke to launch a market selling socks that had Uniswap written on them. And they had like a hundred pairs or something. And then those were priced in Ethereum. And so guess what happens? Because there's an order book of liquidity on both sides. One side is socks that you can redeem for actual physical socks. And the other side is Ethereum. As the price of Ethereum goes up because they're interchangeable, so too does the value of socks. And so because of Ethereum price appreciation, the value of a sock, two socks, a pair of socks, was like $40,000. That same stupid crap is very likely to happen on these pulse pairs. When one thing goes up, the thing that's tied to it goes up. And so even if you didn't want to, quote, play the game, the game's going to get played. I'll tell you another thing. That, that bot that's going to go and harvest uh, PRC20s to even out the balance with the, uh, the more common pulse, it's gonna take that liquidity 
and either put it back where it harvested it or put it into another uh, Uniswap fork. And then the game can't, like, the people that used to have that liquidity and would have been able to pull it and stop the game from being played, they're no longer able to stop the game from being played. So if, you, if you're like a, a Link Marine and you're like, uh, you know, uh, probably a lot of them are going to love Pulse, but if some of them didn't love Pulse and they're like, ah, I'm, I'm going to pull, pull my liquidity, you're like, well, not really, you're not, because what used to be your liquidity ain't your liquidity anymore. And so now there's always, you know, the people, people that thought they're going to be able to stop the game from being played, they're not going to be able to stop it from being played. And you're going to have coins, I think, that are more popular on Pulse than they were on Ethereum. Because so there's a lot of pitch. coins that just can't operate on Ethereum any longer. It's too expensive, period. Yeah. So part of the, the pitch of Pulse is that you may or may not get a whole bunch of additional tokens that have non-zero value, potentially quite high. Well, yeah. I mean, look at the history of airdrops, man. Uniswap airdropped, created a token of thin air, duct taped it onto their project, doesn't have any relationship at all, none. The code's locked, it's done. They just duct taped a coin on. Everybody made billions of bucks, money from thin air. Same with Tornado, same with Gitcoin, same with all these airdrops. They go up and where does all the money come from? I have no idea, but they have values infinitely higher than zero. Hundreds of millions and billions of dollars of valuation. So if those things have it, why wouldn't these things? I know a lot of people watching this are particularly interested in Hex, of course, as well. And so in relation to Pulse, do you have any updated thoughts in terms of whether or not over the longer term you would expect more value accrual on ETH versus PHEX? It really, it really has to do with what the market decides. If the market thinks that a higher throughput, lower fee ecosystem with the same exact code and the same exact coin is worth more than the higher fee, slower network, then you might see a higher value on PHEX than EHEX. The market has to decide it. My personal preference is that I don't want to see cheap HEX anywhere. I prefer to see HEX expensive everywhere because it just feels better. Like when I wake up and HEX is making a new all-time high, I have a better day. If I wake up and there's a dip, I have a worse day. So for my own emotional health, I prefer expensive HEX all over the place. So I don't, I mean, look, no one knows. This has never been done before. This is the first time in the world that there's been 10,000 new coins birthed into existence with who knows how many trading pairs. I mean, there could be 30, 40,000 trading pairs. So good luck, coin ranking sites. Have fun. I just doubled your workload. Enjoy it. Yeah, I guess the argument in your favor as well is the fact that even to this day, Bitcoin Cash and BSV and probably even Bitcoin Diamond, they still have a value. They can still be traded. Hey, look, Bitcoin Cash is supported for sacrifice and people only put in like 100K. And then one day I look at the watch only wallet and it says 1.7 million. So now there's already been $1.7 million of Bitcoin Cash sacrificed. And you know we see this on all types of different chains. Now there's two chains I can't even check because I don't feel like fighting the wallet dat and injecting all the the pub keys in order to watch it because they don't support HD wallets. So it's kind of a nightmare. Apparently one of our devs has already kind of cracked that for Dogecoin. It hasn't cracked it for LTC yet because they're still um, syncing their node. But because uh, you have to run it on a full node. You don't have to, but you really, really should. Um, I'm not even sure how much is donated on this. So yeah, like there's real millions of dollars in all of these things, even the crappiest of them. Even the crappiest of things that you think is the biggest scam in the world, there's people that withdraw and input millions and millions of real dollars. It's a big, big industry now. 
Would you say that, again, I know you've been asked this all the time and you always say you can't predict what on earth the price is going to do, but would you say that from a design perspective that Pulse is designed to pump to, to the same sort of extent that Hex was or is? It Kind of, yes. So, it, yes, it is. It's just different mechanic by how to do it. So my, my original guess and the type of performance you could see from Hex was just based on what Ethereum did. Ethereum did a 10,000x in two and a half years. And then I was like, all right, well, if you build something with better game theory than that, that has superior uh, you know, price logic, then why shouldn't it be able to do the same thing? And so that was our target. We want to outperform the 10,000x in two and a half years that Ethereum did. And it's working perfectly. We've already done 3,800 3, and something before staking. With staking, over 7,000. It did exactly what it was designed to do. It's working perfect. Now that same type of logic applies to Pulse. It's Ethereum, but better everything. Less negative externalities, higher throughput, biggest airdrop in the world, uh, it, you know, better name. You can't even spell Ethereum. Try and spell it. People sticking eyes in there. There's no eyes, you know? And so it's like, it's just, there's so much good stuff going on there. It doesn't destroy the environment. I think I already said the environment one. And so like, yeah, the, the same kind of ratios apply, but they scale differently. So it's easier to explain to people what Pulse is. It's harder to explain Hex. That's why the chat room is 30% bigger. So in, in less in 10 times less time. So I think, I think, I, I don't know which one's going to overperform, but Pulse scales kind of with users and adoption and, you know, network stuff. And then Hex, it just kind of scales differently. They're just different. So they're both amazing things. And I, I, I mean, when people try and ask me like, hey, you know, which, how much should I sacrifice? And then how much should I have in Hex? I don't look, I don't know. I'll try and give you a guess. My guess is pulled right out of my butt. So because you're gonna have Hex on two chains, if you were to have one third in Hex, you'd end up with like, you know, two thirds. And then if you had had two thirds in Hex, you'd have two thirds versus two thirds check the math, but basically it kind of ends up like 50-50, I think, with you know two-thirds sacrifice and one-third in hex, because you're going to have twice the stakes, and you're going to have twice the, the liquid hex, because you're going to have it on two networks. So that, that's what I pulled out of my butt. I have no idea if, if that's the way it will, will work out. Like, no, It's not knowable. You just have to guess. Yeah, you mentioned that Pulse will depend on, on real adoption, right? Like like any network, smart contracts. Are you mm, aware of any... It's not really true, though, right? Like, look at ADA. Long-term viability. No, look at ADA. ADA doesn't have smart contracts. It's supposed to have had them for years, and their price chart beat everybody else's. Their price chart beat Ethereum's. It beat Bitcoin's. Their price chart overperformed, and they don't have the features that everyone wishes they did. So the reality is that price performance is only loosely related to actual performance. Because if price performance and actual performance are related, then, you know, uh, Bitcoin Cash would be worth more than Bitcoin. It's got higher throughput, right? It was the same code, right? Why, why is, the, why is the, the, one, the chain that's cheaper with higher throughput worth less than the one that's slower? Because it's not actually the technical thing that matters. It's all this other stuff that matters. And so, you know, to, to say that just because you've got better technology doesn't mean that your price is going to overperform. You need both. You don't even need, like, you actually don't even need both. Like, does Doge have better technology than Bitcoin? Because it's outperformed it price-wise. No, it doesn't have better technology at all. It's a very old fork of Ethereum on very old code. 
or it's a very old fork of Litecoin, which is a very old fork of Bitcoin. They don't even have their own mining. They're merged mined with Litecoin, and yet they have a higher value than Litecoin. So it's to the game theory on defending the network is is even upside down. So like, I'm just saying, if you want to be accurate about price performance, a lot of things that are not technically meritful do very well. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I can't refute Cardano and Doge. There I mean, ten, ten years from now, would you say they'd still have a valuation in the billions? Bro, how long has Doge had to die already, eh? It keeps going up. So it's it's basically the only thing that, and I try to tell people this, the only thing that matters is whether people are buying it or selling it. Are they buying and holding or are they selling? Everything else is a story. Everything else is a narrative meme. Bitcoin never became peer-to-peer digital cash and it never became programmable money and it went up 6.5 million X. So the narrative memes that get people to buy and hold, they're interchangeable. You can swap them out. The only thing that really matters is buying and holding. And that's why Hex is going to beat everything, in my opinion, because it's the only thing that matters. But because it has a marketing hard hurdle to overcome to get people to understand it, maybe Pulse can overperform. We'll see, you know? Okay. Yeah, you got me there. That, that being said then, I, I guess still, I'm just curious to know, are you aware of any projects or developers who, who have expressed an interest in building anything on, on Pulse yet? Um... I mean, there's some guys that, that make it. Well, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this publicly. There's people that build a lot of stuff on BSC, like over and over and again, like things that perform really well. And they're part of the reason, apparently, that BSC got popular. They're going to do something on Pulse, they say. Um, I'm supposed to have a call with them today. Um, and then there's some like DAP guys that build stuff. There's some ZK sync people or ZK snark people that want to do stuff. But I mean, I'm not seeing like, I'm seeing less than 10 projects so far have expressed interest because I think they're waiting to see the code. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when they see the code, just like the Ethereum core devs, they liked it, they accepted it, they made it core code. I think when everyone else sees this code, they're gonna be very impressed because it's a superior system to BSC. BSC uses two chains, so it has twice the attack surface. We use one chain, it's half the attack surface. You know, we burn coins, they don't burn coins. They kind of have some guy that has an admin wallet somewhere that burns BNB occasionally sometimes, but they're stopping that soon. That in our system, it keeps running forever. Like we just, we did so many things right. I think people are gonna be truly impressed. Is there anything you'd like to see built on Pulse that maybe wasn't an, an option well, with, with the fees on Ethereum? Mm, with spot settlement. When you get liquidated, you gotta buy the real coin back. Not this side bet crap, but when you get liquidated, the exchange gets rich. That doesn't that doesn't help the coins or the, the, the honest people that are holding. That just helps the side bet place. So I want to see real, the ability of people to short hacks would be absolutely beautiful. I've been waiting for that for a long time. Maybe finally with Pulse out, it, it'll be done. Um, you need, I, I, from my perspective, a blockchain needs the following things. For the people that can't take my advice and learn not to short, Rather, they get liquidated in this than some other crap. So if they're going to have to learn the harsh, expensive lesson, let them learn it here instead of somewhere else. I think you need anonymity and privacy. I believe it's a human right. And so you need to have a tornado cache on there. And then uh, you need automated market makers. So you need Uniswap or similar. If you have Uniswap, if you have anonymity, and if you have let dum-dums get liquidated to learn that you shouldn't do that, and you have high throughput, low fees, and censorship resistance and redundancy, you're good. That's it. That's all you need. The, actually, hold on. There's one more thing. Fiat on-ramps. 
So because we're bridged to other networks, you can just use their fiat on ramps, fine. But in the end, like if you've got network, you've got the financial killer app where people are getting tattoos and on ramping all their friends and locking up for 15 years. If you got a 15 year stake, when are you going to start saying bad things about hacks? Never. You're in. You are in. You know, Roger Ver sold his Bitcoin bag, started saying bad things about Bitcoin. Mike Hearn sold his Bitcoin bag, started saying bad things about Bitcoin. If they still had big bags, I bet they'd say less bad stuff, even though it may not be the best thing in the world, Bitcoin, right? But but people do what they're incentivized to do. And the fact that you've got hexagons locked up for 15 years, it's it's an, un, an invincible power. You're going to see people naming their kids hex. Like, it's just that, it's that crazy. So if you got the best app, best network, fiat on-ramps, margin trading, and anonymity, you're golden. Everyone else can go away. Nothing else matters. See you, everybody else. Bye. We don't need anything else. That's it. We're good. So that's in so my brain, the takeover, everything. You think Pulse will defeat Ethereum? Well, right now it's going to help Ethereum. So, you know, Ethereum's fees are too high. If we can take load off the network, that helps Ethereum. You know, Vitalik knows about the project and has said to support it. So Vitalik gave $8 million to the Sense Foundation. And then Aubrey hopped on the phone with him and said, hey, you know, Pulse is a fork of your project. Are you okay with it? And he said he supported it. No, he hasn't said that publicly, you know, and it probably he won't. Like if you're the founder of, of Ethereum, do you really want to, you know, like the right now there's people sacrificing a lot of Ethereum and it's getting sold for stablecoin. So there's $250 million in the sacrifice set right now, not including the 10 million or 12 million or 14 million that came in on the Bitcoin side, not including the 2 million that came in on Bcash, Bitcoin Cash, not including the uh, who knows how much is in Litecoin and Dogecoin. I don't even know. Monero, haven't checked it. Um, and not including the 23 million that came in to Sens. So there are millions and millions and millions of dollars. And today's the last day before the rate goes up 5%. And then it goes up 5% again, it goes up 5% again. In 14 days, your rate is basically 2x. So instead of getting 10,000 coins for your dollar sacrifice, you're getting like 5,000. So it's, you know, it's amazing, man. It's really good. And by the way, Vitalik, like, he's not perfect, but he sure does things better than a lot of people. He writes the open source software. He donates money to charity. He gave $8 million to the Sense Foundation to try and save your life. Um, he made Ethereum, which a lot of people have done very well with Ethereum. Like seven of the top 11 cryptocurrency by market cap were originally ERC-20s. Like ETRX used to be an ERC-20. Uh, USD, USDC is primarily an ERC-20. BNB, Uni, these, you know, these are or were ERC-20s. Hex, you get on the list and you're like, wow, this has made a really big impact in the world a really big positive impact in the world. All the DeFi stuff is ERC-20. All the NFTs are ERC-20 or ERC-721s. So you're like, yeah, this is, you know, thanks, bro. You know, I, I don't like what you did with the, the S-load gas cost 10 or 12Xing them over a couple of years. <laughs> I don't like what you did with the carbon vote uh, rollback with one by default setting. And, I, you know, there's some other stuff I don't like, but by and large, I, I don't like that he burnt some some coins instead of murdering the price for some Ponzi schemers, I, you know, so he's not perfect, but I'm glad that he likes what we're doing. Yeah. I'm a fan of Italic as well. Yeah. I, um, I, I saw some questions on Twitter as well. And one question a, f a few people had is in relation to 
interacting with, with Pulse and your more kind of bearish outlook on the market as a whole, mm -hmm. right? So you've mentioned you think Bitcoin is going to go around 10K. We mm -hmm. can touch on that. Sure. But I saw some people wondering, okay, does that mean it's better to sit in cash, right? If, if maybe the price of everything is correlated to Bitcoin somewhat. I know Hex mm, has broken that recently. Yeah, I know Hex has broken that. Yeah. I mean, Hex doesn't, <laughs> Hex just doesn't care what Bitcoin's doing. Doesn't care. I mean, I mean, occasionally it cares, but usually it doesn't. I mean, look, if something goes up 386,000% in a year, does it really care what the other coins are doing so much? You know, we're making new all-time highs, everything else is dying. Um, so it, most things are correlated with Bitcoin. The vast majority of cryptocurrencies are correlated with Bitcoin. I think if you look at the chart, I think you're going to find Hex is not. Um, so if you're, if you're trading things, that are correlated with Bitcoin and Bitcoin is going to keep dumping, then yeah, you are better sitting in a stable coin, but in a bear market, you know, it does well, new projects, last bear market, EOS launched and did a 40 X in the bear market. What's up? <laughs> like, you know, so, and by the way, Hex launched in the bear market too. Look what happened. Did great. So, and by the way, Ethereum launched in the bear market as well when it launched years and years ago. So it's, you know, the timing is beautiful, man. It's really, Every, every, all this timing is coming together because we're, we're overperforming when everything else is dying. And that's when people will tell you, oh, your coin's got to go to zero. Is it? Well, that's funny because Bitcoin went down 85% and Ethereum went down 95%. But ever since Hex has had like a, a market, we've never dropped as hard as Ethereum did. Ever since we had an actual market with like trading, Hex has never dropped 95%, but Ethereum did. So which one's the good coin? <laughs> you know, people, people are throwing stones in glass houses and you're like, Hey guys, you might want to check the charts. We're overperforming. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. This is a good opportunity then to move on to hex for a little bit as well. Yeah. And so again, would you mind just sharing maybe a brief elevator pitch for what hex is? Yeah, sure. Know? Sure. Um, Bitcoin tried to be peer to peer digital cash. It failed, but it became store of value, which is more valuable. So if you combine uh, Visa plus MasterCard plus PayPal, all of that combined, all the payment networks combined is 10 times less valuable than gold is just for its store of use application. So if you have Hacks, which is a better store value, which has lower fees, higher transaction throughput than Bitcoin, less negative externalities, you pay stakers to hold the price up instead of paying miners to dump the price and destroy the environment. And also, as far as inflation goes, Hex has a lower inflation rate than Bitcoin ever had in the 10 years that existed up until its $20,000 mark. Then like, you know, maybe half a year later, it, it dropped to, you know, 1.89 inflation from 3.84, something like that. Hex only has 3.69, but here's the magic. Here's the difference. If you're an average size, average lent staker in Hex, there's no inflation to you because you're just paying yourself more coins. You're just minting more coins for yourself. You're the one that's getting them. So you're not getting diluted. In Hex, the people that are getting diluted are the people that aren't staked and are able to dump the price and harvest the increased price performance through the virtual lending of people taking supply off market through burning the coins through staking. So Hex is actually a virtual lending market where price is increased by reduction of supply. And then that value that the stakers can't harvest yet is virtually transferred to the people that can harvest that value, the people who are unstaked, and the interest that the people that are unstaked are paying is in the form of dilution. And it's an amazing, beautiful system. And by the way, this is very similar to what happens in banks. 
So I mean, it's not very similar, right? Like, you know, your CD bank, your bank CD is not going to go up 384,000%. Your, your bank CD is not going to draw down 84% or I guess 75% or something like that. You're, you know, you're not going to mint your own money. See, in Hex, it's just you. You're the only person that can lock your coins. You're the only person that can mint your rewards. You're the only person that can unlock your coins. If I die, Hex.com goes offline. It's irrelevant. The system continues to work. You can use a bunch of other different front ends or write your own. So it's very unlike a bank CD, except in this one parameter that I can think of, which is the longer you lock, the more you get. Okay, that's similar. And where does the yield come from? People think, people think all the time, People think they're smart, but they're not smart. They're just smart enough to be dangerous. And then a real smart person, me, has to educate them. In your bank, when you lock up your money, people think they lend your money out and get interest on it. That's not what happens. They don't lend your money out. Your money is not an asset to them. Your money is a liability to the bank. What is, however, useful to the bank is all the free money they can get for the government at insanely low interest rates. And what excuse does the government want from them? that they have a reserve of your money that you deposited. If they actually lent your money out, it wouldn't be a reserve any longer. And then they wouldn't be able to leverage it up and get multiples more for insanely low interest rates from the government. And so your money doesn't get lent out. What actually gets lent out is the free money that they get from the government. And where does the government get the money? From inflation. And so where do the yields get paid from? From inflation. And where else does inflation pay yield? In Bitcoin mining. And so in reality, the yields in CDs at banks is paid from inflation and the yield for Bitcoin miners to go destroy the environment with is from inflation. I mined Bitcoin from thin air. Boop, hey, look, there was no Bitcoin before. Now there's Bitcoin. Every Bitcoin that exists went through the hands of a miner who created it from thin air. And another thing that people don't understand, people think that earnings is where profit comes from in stocks. It's not... But Richard, when the earnings are good, the price goes up. Yeah, I hear you, but it's not a direct relationship. It only does that because people think it should. So here's where the money in the stock market comes from. If you wanted it to be true that profitability and earnings is where profit in the stock market came from, first of all, how could companies that lose money for 20 years be worth so much like Amazon, like Netflix? All they do is lose money, but they go up in value every year and they serve more customers every year, and they add new features every year, and they get stronger and better every year, yet they lose money every year. Ah, hmm, there's something else going on. Here's what's going on. The vast majority of profitability in stocks is from the next guy buying the stock. If you wanted the world to be the way that so many people think it is, and it is not, you would need more stock buybacks and dividends, which would take corporate money profit from sales and operations and turn it into yield for the shareholders that happens through buybacks and it happens through dividends and since you don't have much dividends and you don't have much stock buybacks why is everything at new all-time highs because the government keeps printing extra money and it has to go somewhere and so the people buy stocks and lo and behold the yield in your stocks is actually from inflation mic drop that's great uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, thank you for that. And, and as we know, we alluded to several times, the price has done extremely well. It's kind of, it's, it's blown my expectations out the water. And I feel like I was somewhat of a, I think I was very bullish. I made a video, I think you, you saw it at one point, talking about top 10 coins for 2021. I thought Hex would be in the top five. 
just based on the, the kind of game theory if it were to be successful and it was and then people at the time called me a kind of deluded bull I think now, as you said, it's number three on nomics.com now. Yeah. And so why, I, I guess many people are interested, why on earth has it done so well exactly? What is it that's, that's driven the price so high, especially in the context of weakness in, mm -hmm. in the overall crypto market? It's the easiest thing to understand in the world. The demand vastly exceeds the supply. It's that easy. Why does the demand vastly exceed the supply? Because people are locking their coins up on average 5.7 years. It used to be 4.8 years. People's belief in the system is getting stronger and stronger. The share price, the amount of hex that you have to lock up in order to get a T-share, which is how all the you know interest is divvied up, that has gone from 60 cents on January 5th of last year to over $3,000 today. It's up five or 6,000 X. That price in hex terms can only go up. It's how we simulate compounding interest. It is an amazing price chart. It is the best price chart I've ever seen. It's the only chart I know of that's better than the hex price chart is the hex share price chart. So when you end your stake, in order for you to get back the same number of T-shares you used to have, you got two options. You can either add some more hex because now you got to pay a higher share price or you could stake for longer. It is beautiful, man. It's a machine that gets people to do what they said they were going to do. It's a truth engine. If you said you're in a stake, you better do what you said you would. You might pay some penalties. If you don't, do what you said you would. And it gets people to delay gratification. And delayed gratification is the key to success in all personal development. And it's speculation and cryptocurrency. If you have something with product market fit and you're able to hold it and hold it and hold it, you could have made 6.5 million X returns of Bitcoin. What percentage of people that had bought Bitcoin early held it for 6.5 million X returns. And how many more millionaires would there be in the world if instead of getting wrecked trading or selling a 10 X or hundred X people got to hold for so much extra time instead of getting wrecked and selling the bottom and getting shaken out or trading it away. Hex is a miracle. Hex is a hundred percent miracle. It's changing people's lives. People that were suicidal and were going to kill themselves got some hex stakes and have something to focus on in the future. And it literally saves their lives. And I didn't anticipate that. And this is really weird because I'm a self-help book author and you can download my free books at t.me forward slash sci My very oldest YouTube videos are self-help YouTube videos trying to get people to live happier, healthier, happier lives, quit drinking, quit smoking, quit playing video games, quit gambling, quit trading, have better relationships. I got videos on all these things. And none of those, the books and those videos had no form close to the impact that Hex did. Hex is positively impacting people's mental health in ways that none of my books that were designed to do that actually achieved. I didn't expect that. It's, it's weird. Why do people still call Hex a Ponzi or a scam then? Well, the same reason they call Bitcoin a, a Ponzi and a scam. The same exact reason. Like, like, tell me the difference between Bitcoin and Hex. They're both systems that transfer money from one place to another. They both inflate. What else? <laughs> what else does Bitcoin do? Does it do anything else? Bitcoin software has two functions, literally two functions. You can mint inflation or you can send the coins. That's it. There's two buttons, mint inflation and send. There's no other button. So, so people, their brains just, they're like, oh, but, but, but it burns electricity. No, no, that's a cost, not a benefit. That's what you paid, not what you got. You don't have to do that anymore. Bitcoin should immediately stop doing proof of work and switch to proof of stake and save the environment and, and help the price.
make Bitcoin way better. So it's just like, people are silly. I told them what I was gonna do. I did it, I was right, they were wrong, and they're still not, they're just wishing it didn't happen. They're like, oh no, 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 when rug pull, when rug pull. Here's a funny one, I hear this one all the time. Because there's so many garbage coins that are out in the world, where the price goes up and up and up, and then it just goes straight down to zero and never gets back up again. People have called it rug pulling. Now look, I've been in crypto so long, I've been around since that word existed. We didn't have a word for rug pulling. But now it's so common that there's a word for it. So people hold the following two thoughts in their mind at the same time. One, apparently I have billions of dollars, okay? But two, apparently I'm gonna rug pull my coin that also apparently I'm here that I own 90% of. And then you're like, okay, these are all funny stories. These are all funny stories. But, but like in theory, in theory, if someone were a billionaire and they had like all this money, why wouldn't they just buy more of the thing they liked instead of dumping the thing they liked? Like if, 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 if Bezos bought shares in Amazon, would you be pissed off? If Amazon, if Apple does a stock buyback and they buy more of their own shares and their company back from the public, which is a way to turn earnings into yield for your, for the shareholders, do you get do you get mad and yell at Apple? And so we had to come up with a word for this fan fiction fantasy, which is the opposite of a rug pull called a magic carpet ride. And so if you're worried about risk of a rug pull, what weighted value have you given the risk of a magic carpet ride? And it's just hilarious to me. I mean, people, I sometimes I read some forums and I laugh out loud, so loud. I hear things like, so we raised $23 million for the Sense Foundation to try and save everybody's life. Guy on this forum says, oh, they're probably just gonna spend it on jets. And you're like, bro, you have no idea what's going on. Aubrey de Grey's mother died and gave him $19 million in like 2006 or 2007. And he gave 16 million of it to the foundation to try and save everybody's life. He doesn't have a jet. I don't think he has a sports car. I, I don't think he has much of anything. All he's trying to do is save everybody's life. So it's disgusting to me to see these idiots demonizing the people that are trying to save them. I try and save people from getting liquidated. I try and save people from getting shaken out. I try and save people from getting chopped up with fees and paying middlemen. I try and get rid of middlemen. I try and put your keys into your hands. I try and make you happier, healthier, stronger. I give you free videos, free books, no ads on my channel, free coins. I'm the giving tree of crypto. And then these disgusting maggots, they speak ill of the greatness that we're performing, of the lives that we're saving. They do harm. And what are they doing harm for? To try and get you to buy whatever horrible thing they bought. And it's disgusting. So I hope, I hope we can overcome all that. And Hex is the economic engine that is overcoming a great deal of it. You, you mentioned or you asked what was the difference between Bitcoin and Hex. I feel like one thought I have is that it, it really bothered people when you were quite transparent about how Hex was designed to pump. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's somewhat the case with Bitcoin, because of course it's got 21 million, but people like to also attribute these narratives of, oh, dark net money or banking the unbanked. And you mentioned the narrative about the stock market, how people like to think it's attached to earnings. Do you think, is it, is it just a matter of people's brains break if they're honest to themselves about the reason why things, you know, and does the world need it's, those narratives? It's really weird. weird. It's really weird. Let me, let me tell you why it's really weird. What is a business? A business is a mechanism, a design to accrue value for shareholders. End, fin, point, that's it. That's what it does. You know what that means? It means program to pump, pumpamentals. Okay, Satoshi. Satoshi invented the first crypto pumpamental. In the white paper, there's no mention 
of the supply inflation cutting in half every four years. It's not in the white paper. Hmm, interesting. And why did he put that in there? He literally says it on the Bitcoin Talk Forum. He says, I put this in there to create a, a positive feedback loop where if the price went up, the price would likely continue going up and help suck liquidity out of the rest of the, the normal legacy finance markets. Boy, that's a good idea. Yeah, good idea. So businesses by design are to accrue value. Cryptocurrencies by design are to accrue value, even stable coins. Stable coins accrue value for the dude issuing them. So every cryptocurrency is designed to accrue value. And then I just did it better. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, but Richard, you can't just replace the miners. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. Richard, you can't just make everyone rich. Yeah, yeah, actually you can. You wanna, let me go into that one, right? Everything is paper profit. What if everyone tried to sell all their houses at once? They go to zero. What if everyone tried to sell all their stock at once? It goes to zero. What if everybody tried to sell the Bitcoin at once? It goes to zero. What if everybody tries to sell all the Ethereum at once? It goes to zero. So everyone's profit is actually profit on paper in everything. Because if you try and sell it all, it goes to zero. So because everything is paper profit, we get smart and we go, listen, there's determinism, there's probabilities, there's, there's Bayesian logic. What is the likelihood that something's gonna go to zero? And the government has numbers for this and they perform stress tests on banks. And they go, okay, if we get this amount of sigma drawdown, will we have some type of extinction level event in the banks? Will they be able to survive this amount of drawdown? And so they have a reserve ratio and that reserve ratio is meant to protect against bank runs, bankrupting banks and hitting the FDIC's insurance. And even the FDIC insurance is maxed out. Now what's up with that? The government mints, the, the Fed mints money out of thin air. There doesn't have to be a limit on that FDIC insurance. They could cover you for everything. They're literally printing it out of thin air. There's not actually a reason for them to have a limit on that. And it's, and it's for the whole family, by the way. Like the limit is for you and your wife and it, it's across all banks. So you can't like open extra accounts to get extra FDIC insurance. It doesn't work. So, you know, <laughs> I just teach people things they've never heard of before. They never thought of before. They didn't know were true. And then I hammer them with them. And then after years, they finally figured out. They're like, yeah, that Richard guy, he was right, yeah. You know, but it takes them years to, to figure it out. A lot of people point to the market cap of Hex right now and say it's, it's already too big, too ridiculous. It's a they fake number. Vote. It's a fake number. Let's talk about market cap. You ready? Yeah. Can you trade the market cap chart? Can you put bids and asks on it? Can you buy and yeah. sell it? Nope. Do, do liquidity providers make money on it? Do market makers make money on it? Do exchanges make money on it? Nope, nobody. Absolutely no one in the world makes money on market cap, nobody. It's a made up stupid number. If you, ma if you made a coin with a trillion supply and you sold one for a dollar to your friend, you now have a trillion dollar market cap cryptocurrency. Factually, factually, it is literally last traded price times circulating supply. That's it. So it is, it is a made up stupid fantasy number. You know what else are made up stupid fantasy numbers? Volume. All this volume's fake. Hex has the most volume out there that's real because you can see it on chain. You can see easy, transparent. All these centralized exchanges, there's a bid and ask spread, right? This guy will sell here. This guy will buy here. And then a bot goes and places fake orders in between the bid and ask spread, never actually hitting the order book. La, la, la. Look at all the volume. Nothing's actually happening. The price isn't actually moving, but there's, quote, volume. And then people think it's liquidity. You go on one of these fake exchanges, you go to actually try and hit the order book and make an actual sell. All the bids disappear and you get filled in la la land. And you're like, what? So there's no actual liquidity here. Ah, good scam, bro. 
So I just have to cure people of so much silliness. The only thing that matters is price. And by the way, if you're in an illiquid market, let me, let me change my setting on this. Uh, my stream setting's too high, so we're like losing frames. Give me a second, I gotta drop it a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, a lot of people do express concerns around the relative liquidity to market cap as well, so maybe you sure. touch on that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna educate everybody. I hope this is the right setting. Might not be. Oh, hold on, let me change that again. <clears throat> All right, guys, I hope that, I hope that we're good. If not, just deal. No, we're not good. We're dropping a ton of frames. Hmm. Let me think about this for a second. <sighs> nah, maybe it's getting better. Yeah, it cleared up. It cleared up. We're all right. Okay. Yeah. So let's say you were trading an illiquid market and you were worried about liquidity. Become the liquidity yourself. Now it's not an illiquid market anymore for you. You are the liquidity. You get to have your order filled. The price doesn't get to go any farther or any higher until you get filled. So people that, that talk crap about hacks, let me tell you how many doubles they could have sold. You could have bought hacks on January 5th of last year and sold it when it doubled or doubled again or doubled again, 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 or doubled again. It's doubled 11 times so far. Anything those problem? Is there any problem with liquidity? We've seen people try and murder the price by selling so many coins. We've seen so many millions and millions of dollars dumped recently. Price keeps making new all-time highs because the demand exceeds the supply. It's really that easy. So if you're curious whether people are getting rich selling hacks, just go to t.me forward slash hex trading and they will be happy to show you. There's like 4,000 people in there. They'll tell you all the whales they've seen murder the price. And a lot of those whales buy back in higher and they just end up with less hacks because they sold what they thought was a top. You sell a 10X, you sell a 100X or you sell a 1,000X, guess what? You messed up because now we're at uh, 4,000X. So it's, you know, pe people just don't understand how much how much people are buying. I mean, look, Pulse, Pulse Sacrifice has generated 250, 270 million so far in its first five days. Day five isn't even halfway over yet. Can't get better performance than this, man. I understand the idea that having a little bit less liquidity is good for price and good for the little guys. One concern I would have in relation to that is that wouldn't it kind of inadvertently um, affect its growth potential in the sense that it means that it's off limits to those who it with truly enormous amounts of money, the Michael Saylors of the world, if they can't put in, you know, a billion dollars in hex like they could with Bitcoin? Mm, no, because limit orders be the liquidity. You're, you're a super duper duper giant whale that wants to put a billion dollars into hex, set limit orders. You don't have to pay any higher than you want. You don't have to get slippage. When you set limit orders, you don't pay any slippage at all. So this, this concept is just like I was telling you about selling. You don't have to pay any slippage when you sell. Set a limit order. Price never gets to go past you. You have to get filled first. So, the, like, and by the way, the liquidity is the highest it's ever been because the liquidity goes up with the price because we're primarily in an automated market maker. And so in order for price in Uniswap V2 to go up, you need either more USDC, which is our primary trading pair, or you need less HEX. And so, like as the price has been going up, the liquidity has been going up as well. It's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. And yes, I, I think that b being able to take billionaires money in is awesome. And look, we're only a year and a half old 
we've only done 385,000%. Let's wait until the billionaires figure it out and then they can, they can buy much higher. The VCs didn't get to FOMO in. The normal shill, shill tards that shill every new coin and then dump it on their followers, they didn't get to get in. The people that got to get into Hex were the lucky, the chosen few, the ones that really did their own research. You're one of them. And so you get to dump on their heads when you want. You get to dump on the VCs. You get to dump on the scam shill guys. You get to dump on Michael Saylor if and when he buys in because you were here first. It's awesome. A lot of the, say, Bitcoiners will have their own targets for Bitcoin in the future. I know you don't focus on market cap too much, but they all say something like, okay, well, try and match the market cap of gold in the future, maybe real estate in the future. Do you have any kind of similar ambitions for Hex or do you think it's just completely I, I think that, that I think that those types of analogies are just madly silly, wildly silly. They don't make any sense. I mean, like we are, we are in the highest performing asset class that has ever existed. Is that not enough? It is enough. Bitcoin went up 6.5 million X. Ethereum outperformed at three to one over this last bull run. And Hex outperformed at 750X. And it outperformed Ethereum 200X. I don't need to pull stupid hopium numbers out of my butt. Like, ooh, million dollar Bitcoin. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't need to. Why, why would you trade the slow dog, two inflation bugged, adds no features, slow, why expensive? Why would you, why do you care about that? I'm in this for money, money. With money, we can fund medical research. With money, we can make the world a better place. With money, you can on-ramp new users from the horrible legacy financial system. So if you care about money, why do you want the thing that gets outperformed by everything else? Dogecoin murdered Bitcoin, Ethereum murdered Bitcoin, ADA murdered Bitcoin, everything murdered Bitcoin. The only thing that didn't murder Bitcoin this cycle was EOS. Everything else killed it. So like, why are we talking about it? Why are we talking about Bitcoin? Maybe because all these other coins are tied to it and if it dumps, they dump. I guess that's a good reason, sure. <clears throat> would you say Would you say at this point, some people could level the accusation at you that you're basically incentivized to be bearish on, on Bitcoin or Ethereum now that you have no. Olsen and No, are X. you silly? How silly is that? Okay, hold on, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me do this math. There's a sacrifice phase where people are putting in thousands and thousands of Ethereum and then something or someone somehow is dumping them for stable coins. So explain to me how being bearish makes sense again. So that what, when those coins get dumped, their US dollar and sacrifice value is less now? No, in fact, when you're a seller, right? It's better for the prices to be higher. It's not better for the prices to be lower. So like if you care, if you care about whatever might hold the coins to the sacrifice, that thing isn't getting more USD value if everyone's bearish. It would get more USD value if everyone was bullish. And so these idiots that are out there talking about million dollar Bitcoin, at the same time, people are buying million dollar JPEGs. Oh, nope, 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 nope. Big nope. I think another thing some people have accused you of as well is still being too important for both the, the kind of future of Hex and Pulse. Would you have a response to that? Yeah, this is another one of those funny ones. This is another one of those, oop, I lost the headset for your, your audio. So people want to talk crap. So you give, 30, you give $23 million to charity. They don't say, that's awesome. I'm getting my life saved. They say, they're going to spend it on yachts. And then if you have someone, a founder that is awesome, they go, he's too awesome. It's bad. What? <laughs> like... Do you wish Satoshi did live streams, everybody? Do you? Do you wish that? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay, well, I do live streams. 
Now, is that critical managerial or entrepreneurial effort? If I stop doing live streams, do you think it actually affects anything? Because I gotta tell you, I don't actually stream that much. Everybody else in crypto streams more than me. So it's just, it's just insane to me. They, they take things that are awesome. Another thing, right? Let's say tax had low volume. Let's say all the coins were owned by one guy, just for fun, okay? When was the best time to buy Bitcoin? When Satoshi owned all the coins, when there was no volume, when there was no market cap, when there was no liquidity. Oh, and what other, what other speculative instruments have that property? Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google. And so these people, they look opportunity in the face and they tell it, I'm not buying it, I'm not buying it. And you're like, but you should, it meets all the specifications of awesome. Look at the metrics, look at the virality. We're not even viral yet. If we went up 200, if we went up 385,000% with no one saying anything nice, with no big exchange listings, with no listings on the fronts of CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko or these other places where they advertise scams and list scams, we're not even on those, but I'm, I'm sure it would be good to be on there. Um, we're pre-viral. Do you, do you see it on CNBC? Are they telling you how to buy? Like they told you how to buy the XRP top in 2017? No. We're pre-viral. And so you show people something that's pre-viral, amazing, all the metrics are hitting, and they're like, no, this is bad, I'd rather buy the top. They'd literally rather buy higher. And so many more people bought at a penny than 100 times lower. And so many more people, if the price hits a dollar, which if you follow the chart, it sure is pointed right there, so many more people love to buy at a dollar that wouldn't buy at a penny. It's hilarious. People love buying tops and selling bottoms, and they hate buying bottoms and selling tops. It's, it's crazy, it's just crazy. I do find it crazy that even now at number three on Nomics that you know you're not even featured really on the front page of Coin Market Cap or whatever. Is that mm -hmm. something that's going to change anytime soon that you know of? Or? I to tell you the truth, man. At this point, I don't even really care. I, I think they have traffic, and so we do well with traffic. And I think that their users would be saved from horror of the nightmare they're experiencing with everything else on that front page. So if, it would be better for their users. It would be better for them. It would be better for the world. But hey, you know what? some of the big, biggest life-changing things in the world, just you have to punch hard. You know, Elon Musk nearly went bankrupt twice. So his car company almost bankrupted him. His rocket company almost bankrupted him. But when it works out and you finally punch through, there's all that juicy wetness on the inside. So you just got to punch through. You mentioned you want uh, fear on ramps as well. In an ideal world, is there a particular one you'd like to be on? Would you aspire I mean, for a I, Coinbase I, or... I don't like any centralized exchanges. I think they all have far too much downtime, far too poor customer service. I don't like any of them, but they are a necessary evil. And so having said that, with the necessary evil being there, you know, I, I Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini, I guess Binance, but God, I don't like it. I, I know people that cannot get their money off of there, no matter how many hostage selfie videos they send. They just got their money stolen by Binance. So most people don't get their money by st stolen by Binance, congratulations. But some people do get their money stolen by Binance and it is disgusting and I hate it. It's why I got into crypto is to make sure the crap like that never happened. And now because of regulatory arbitrage and governments being unfair, these middlemen get to steal people's money and it just disgusts me. So. Yeah, I mean, I just, my answer would be just go where the users are, right? Like if you have a big cold wallet, if your exchange has a big giant cold wallet and you're in the top 10 exchange cold wallets, then I would love to see Hex on your platform. 
because we'd love to see people divest of worse things and invest in better things. I think it's been a year or two now since Hex has, has existed. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that Vitalik has expressed, you know, if you could start all over, he would do some things a little bit differently. Do you have any kind of similar feelings or do you think it's more or less pretty much nailed? Um, let me think. Would you have made any design changes? I'm thinking. I can't think of any, man. I mean, I wish, I wish that the price, like, the design change that I could think of right now that I'd love to see implemented and can be implemented today is one of the most amazing features of Hex is that you have a chart of future market supply and that doesn't exist for any other cryptocurrency. You know when coins are able to be sold in the future without incurring penalties. And that means that you can, when you make a stake, you can choose that your end stake date is in a gap where not that many other end stakes are, are happening. And so would use that feature, which is on hex.vision. So basically if we took that ending stake chart and took it from hex.vision and, and put it on go.hex.com or a bunch of the other staking sites, it'd be really great for new users to have that helper to take advantage of this and reduce volatility in the future by making good choices today. So that's the only thing I can think of that, that and fiat on ramps. But I mean, I just, that's, that's harder to do, right? Like it just takes time. Someone adding on a chart to the staking f interface is pretty easy yeah someone on twitter synthman asked um why didn't you make hex shares tradable because if you can if you can trade a hex share you can sell it and create virtual supply but in the end i changed my mind on this because grayscale so grayscale changed my mind on this grayscale is basically an encapsulated hex share why so when you buy Grayscale shares, they go buy Bitcoin. Or when you buy Grayscale's LP private placement offer, they go buy Bitcoin. And then six months later, you can sell the shares in the open market. But you can't redeem the Bitcoin. And you can't sell the Bitcoin. And so Grayscale doesn't sell Bitcoin. And so what Grayscale is, is a machine that takes people's money and buys Bitcoin with it and then never sells the Bitcoin. That's a really good mechanic. That is a beautiful mechanic. That is a wonderful mechanic for price. So let me get this straight. You guys buy and you never sell. Man, that's pretty awesome. I like that. And then I thought, well, okay, that's what these encapsulated stakes are. So an encapsulated stake buys a bunch of coins to create the shares to then be able to divvy them up and, and have you know derivative trading of them. But to the core main price, it just buys and never sells. And it's very likely to have a 15-year lockup so that it gets outsized yield. And so I changed my mind on it. So in the beginning, I thought it would create virtual supply and like counter effect the, the staking parameters. But then I thought, well, actually it can only counter effect that staking after it's already driven it up by getting its original stake value. And, and basically Grayscale convinced me that encapsulated shares on ETH and other networks would, would be great for the price. And so if you're looking for things to be bullish about, you know, future development, I think encapsulated stakes and other networks, you know, hey, there's nothing going on in ADA, but if ever one day there is, Chuck some encapsulated hex takes on there. Hey, there's nothing going on in the vast majority of these chains. Go bring them some adoption, homies. Bring them this amazing thing. So I, I, I think that's a really, really good idea. Cool. Another Twitter user as well, Malta Dolphin, asked for some advice for how you call tops and bottoms in the, in the crypto market. And I would also sure. just add to that as well. Um, to what extent technical analysis can apply to hex? Technical analysis used to not apply to Hex very much. The chart was just its own thing. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen any chart like Hex's chart. But now I'm starting to see more traditional patterns appear. I'm seeing bull flags. I'm seeing breakouts and retests. Like I'm seeing 
standard TA kind of stuff. It's tilted to be more bullish than normal. Like your retest just doesn't even get back down. Like it tries to retest, but just breaks back up. So, I mean, it's it's starting to act more traditionally now that the the volumes are so much bigger, you know? I don't know, we're doing 30 million a day, something like that on Uniswap. Um, you know, there's a lot of money going back and forth now. So, and I think some of these guys that are like algorithm guys, you know, throw bots on there and then kind of recreate these kind of patterns. So technical analysis, when do you want to call a top? Has everyone bought already? Did the world's richest guy already buy? Did your hairdresser buy? Did your taxi driver buy? Did the governments buy? It was there a news event that everyone was looking for a single date in the future that everyone bought for? Did that event just happen? I called the top on the day. I called the Bitcoin top on the day and drew the chart. Here's Bitcoin going up, green parabola. Here's where we fell out. And when you fall out, you go 85% down right on the day. I called it. And then I said, last cycle, Ethereum died 27 days after Bitcoin did. And guess what happened in the cycle? 27 days, Ethereum died. So I called it, I called it perfectly. Other things you can use to try and call tops are, you know, how much premium are people paying on futures? What's the funding rate? How much money is it costing people to stay long in their position? How much money is long? Um, you know, these, these cause cascades when they get liquidated, they can't hold that position forever. If you're paying a percent a day and you're going sideways, you're burning, you're going to have to close that. And then, you know, there's a lot of kind of tricks of the trade that, to do it, which is why I'm awesome at it. Like I called the 20K top in 2017. I called the 65K top on the day. I called, and I called that one on the day as well. And this is all documented. You can look it up. You can go to richardhart.com and I show you the timestamps on the Twitter links where you can go and see me calling the top. And it's not like I'm making a bunch of other calls. I'm not. I made like one Bitcoin call in two years and it was to call a top. Um, and then I called the $60,000 Bitcoin two years ago in Malta on stage. I said, look, we're in a bear market, but I think we're gonna go back up and about a year from now or whatever the date was, uh, I guess it was two years from now, but a year from when, anyway, you can look it up. I, I think that's on the site too, richardhart.com. I just call it right, like over and over and over again. I, so I told everybody Ethereum would beat Bitcoin, Bitcoin would beat the dollar and Hex would beat both. Oh, look, <laughs> look what happened. Everything I said, it, it worked out. Are you ruling out a double bubble like 2013? You ain't getting a double bubble, dude. It's not happening. The world's richest guy already bought Burrow. Everybody bought million dollar JPEGs. And by million, I really mean, I think one guy bought a $20 million JPEG. So no, no dude, you're not getting a double top. Everyone needs to be able to sell the bottom. All these guys that bought million dollar JPEGs have to get that chance to sell 80 to 90% down. They need to be shaken out. They need to feel the horror. Michael Saylor needs to grit his teeth and, and think about his sins and think about what buying the top feels like. That needs to happen. So we're, we're not doing a double top. How many, by the way, we've been doing sideways for what? Si okay, hold on, let's talk technical, okay? I'm gonna show you, now I gotta reverse it for you guys at home. Here's what a bull flag looks like. Up, 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 down, up, 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 down. Now here's what a bear flag looks like. Down, 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 up, down, 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 up. Now what's Bitcoin doing right now? Down, 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 sideways, down, 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 little bump, down, 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 it's doing a waterfall. It's, it's literally doing a waterfall pattern. It's not, it can't even make an actual bear flag. It can't even go up high enough to make a bear flag. It can't even make a pennant. It's making a droopy dick dying head and shoulders and shoulders and shoulders and shoulders. It's wrecked. 
it's garbage. Technically, it's, oh, you know, you know how many times we've tested 31K as support? This is our seventh time. You wanna know what happens when you test support seven times? You're gonna break it. You ain't gonna hold 31K, you're going down. You wanna know what the negative deficit is on grayscale shares? Negative 16% last I looked. You can buy fake Bitcoin at 16% discount from them. So why would you buy real Bitcoin when you can buy the fake Bitcoin at 6% discount? And then when they buy that to, to compress the, to reduce the deficit, the normal Bitcoin, no one's buying it. It keeps going free fall. And so you're like, yeah, until those, and you know how much there's like 10 or 15,000 Bitcoin coming out still, maybe 10,000 Bitcoin coming out from the, uh, the grayscale unlocks that are on six month delay. So like it's wrecked. It's wrecked. Now look, I hoped for, I wished for a bull trap like we had last time in 2017 cycle. 2017 cycle, we went to 20K, we dumped 45% and then we bounced back up to 17.5K. Nice retrace. This time we went to 65K, dumped down to 30K and didn't make 50, didn't make 45, didn't make 40. Maybe we made 40. I have checked the chart, but I don't even think we made 40. Um, garbage. Can't even get a good retrace. Can't even get a good bounce. All right. Well, let's just do it. Let's wa let's wash everybody out. Look, the last bear market lasted one year. We're already three months into this one. Let's wash everyone out. Do our 85 to 95 percent dump. Let everyone sell the bottom and go back up again and go make new all-time highs and go have hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin and ten thousand dollar Ethereum. Let's go. I'm fine with that. All my homies already sold the top. We're good. So. Yeah, I really appreciate your perspectives on the crypto markets. There's there's another um, area of life which I, I enjoy hearing from you, and that's relating to the sort of self-help realm. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another part of your content that I enjoyed back in the day. I know you've got a book that I've definitely enjoyed, SciVive. Would you mind just explaining that in your own words? Yeah, sure. I wanted to, I was retired, traveling the world, and I thought I want to save everybody's life. I want to do medical research. But I didn't have enough money on my own to save everybody. So I need to get other people to do what's in their own best interest to get rich people to save their own lives. So they end up saving everybody's lives. And so you need a movement. You need to convince people to do that. Even Bill Gates, who sometimes is the richest man in the world, did the same thing and created the giving pledge, which got other people like him to give. And then those guys gave more than he did because they have more because 10 of people similar to you is more than you. Thus, I wrote Sivive thinking, if you make people rich, you make them healthy, you make them happy, what are they gonna want? More. Well, let's make them rich. Let's make them healthy. Let, let's let's do everything like that we can to make their lives better. And then once their cups floweth over, they can want to invest in medical research that will save everybody. And you can still get rich doing it. You don't have to be poor investing in medical research. You can get very rich doing it. Let's solve these problems. It's the most important thing in the world. And then, you know, crypto got in the way. So I was writing the book. I was writing the book. I was working on it, you know, popping out drafts and such. And then crypto decided to do its run up. And I was like, all right, I'll make some videos. And then I just got sucked into crypto and pulled away from my personal development movement. And I'm trying to kind of, you know, I've got these things I have to do, but like once you've got the network, the app, the on-ramps, anonymity and trading, you're done. That's it. You can go and save the world and do medical research and stuff. Um, so that's where I'm at, you know? I, the only thing that matters is healing the humans. It's the highest and best cause anybody can have. You know, making your fellow man's life better. That's where it's at. So, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend the book. And um, it, it's very interesting the way it's kind of formatting and whatnot. It's almost like bullet points on different sections of life. Uh, I thought it'd be really fun if we did 
in terms of sort of Pareto principle, those small actions that generate the most results, I was wondering if we could maybe break it down into certain sections of just the, the absolute top most effective advice you could offer. Oh, sure. Each sort of realm. And yeah. so for instance, if we were to start with investing, mm-hmm. let's just say investing generally, what would be your one like sort of life advice or tip for, for success in that domain? If you're going to do a normal, so well, one, because crypto exists now, you're never going to outperform crypto. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care what you do. It just doesn't matter. You could have stuck your thumb up your butt, bought hacks on January 5th last year. You'd be up 385,000%. I don't care what other business you did. You're not going to outperform that. Now, if crypto didn't exist, then I would tell you the businesses that you choose to do, and you should choose to do a business if you can. If you can, if you can do a business, do it. If you can't, then you do software and you'd be a dev or sales. So sales is the highest paid profession, software scales. If you build something good, you can just sit around forever. If you build a business at scales, you can sit around forever, hire your first employee to replace yourself and then just sit around. It's called a lifestyle business. And then if you want real scale domination, billions of dollars, then you need you know to choose something that's got a, a moat uh, and then you know, you have low marginal cost to service new users. So if you're starting like car repair and you got to hire a thousand employees, you're screwed. But if you're just selling a, a car repair app, then you can have a million users with the same four devs, you know? So, but crypto basically cancels all that advice out because you're just like, yeah, yeah, just buy the right coin and chill. It's got product market fit. It's secure. It's safe. It's hitting the right metrics. Just buy and hold. You're good. Um, that, you know, so for, for investing, I don't think you can beat that advice. What about for health? For health, if you can eat less and less often, it's the best thing you can do. Obviously, I'm not that good at doing that, but I'm getting better at it. And uh, like I lost 12 pounds um, over the last, I don't know, month or something, or a few weeks, three weeks maybe. I need to keep losing more. Like I gotta drop like 50 more pounds, right? So to be, you just live longer, you use your teeth less, you use your butt less, you spend less time in queue. You're just like, it's awesome. Like it's, it's, and you fit into more fashionable clothes and you look better and you know, it's just all around better. So eat less, eat less often. And then a trick that you can use that I used to do and I should get back into is just do bench chin ups and deadlifts every day. And when you do that, it's not hard anymore. You, you almost don't even break a sweat because you're doing more volume then if you did it like every other day, you're doing more volume and you're doing it more often and your body has the ability to repair the damage more often because the damage is always there. It just works wonderfully. Like it, I got better results out of doing that than like the Strongless five by five or the Ripito three by 12. Just that system of doing bench dead and uh, chin ups just was awesome, you know? Um, super, super effective. What about dating or relationships? Have good posture dress nice, control what you talk about, use positive framing, um, say hi to lots of people. And I mean, you're gonna get with practice. It's a performing art like anything else. So being attractive and fun and playful is something you will get better at with practice. And if you suck when you start, that's fine. Most people suck at most things when they start. I type awesome, but when I first started typing, it wasn't that good, you know? So it's, it's, if you want to be great with girls, just hop on the saddle and start interacting with them. And after you talk to a few thousand, you get pretty good at it. Why do you care so much about longevity? Why does it mean so much to you? It's just another game to win. Like if I die, I'm not going to notice I'm dead. 
But if I'm alive, I notice whether I'm doing the best I can or not. And so for me, it's just another way of doing the best I can. I want to win. And if you're, if you're Steve Jobs, you lost. We're all doing better than Steve Jobs right now. He lost the game. He didn't win it. He knew he was going to die of cancer or heart disease, 80% chance. Did he put his money into that or did he die like a little girl? I wanted to say bitch, but I'm trying to curse less. So, you know, it's, it don't, went, die, don't die with a whimper. Put up a fight. You can't use all the money anyway. I got more money than I can spend. Wait, and I've had that for a long time, for a long time. And so now I just raised $23 million for charity, for medical research. Screw most charities, man. Most charities aren't going to save your life. Most charities might positively impact some people you'll never meet. These charities that I'm talking about, the Sense Foundation might save you and your kids and your family and your pets. I looked at all these other charities and I was just like, nope, 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 nope. Steve, uh, Bill Gates and George Soros can go ahead and fund all that stuff. You guys got it covered? Cool. I'm doing this one because I care about my family. <clears throat> and if we do all gain a whole bunch of extra years with, with the success of this longevity research, what makes a good life? What, what should we do with those extra years? Well, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's actually really easy. Have delicious sandwiches, have lots of sex with pretty people. If you like kids, have kids, win at things, you know, be strong, like have friends, call your mom, leave a lasting legacy, be proud of how you live your life, try and make the world a better place. It's about it. And it's been that same stuff for as long as we've been around, you know? Actually, there's probably a time before sandwiches, which had to be a sad time. Can you imagine <laughs> life before sandwiches? How crap would that be? You just have yeah. meat and bread separate. It's no good. From what I remember in SciVibe, you were not so fond of what could just generally be called sort of spirituality and, and meditation and practices like that. Is that still the case? It depends on how you do it. So, so many people fall for false evidence. So I can, can they sell they sell you courses on how to speed read that make you think you know how to speed read. But then when you test it, in fact, you're actually worse at reading and comprehension, even though you think you were better. And so it changes your perception of yourself, but it makes your actual self worse. And it's the same with psychedelics. It changes your perception of what you think reality is, but reality didn't change at all. You changed. And so then you measure it and you're like, are hippies super ultra productive because they think they have some higher understanding of reality? Nah, they suck balls. They don't get anything done. They sit around. While we're out here changing the world and fitting it to our will, they're sitting around playing drums. So, but they think they're killing it. The monks are getting their country taken over, but they think they're killing it. Sitting around. La, la, la. <laughs> so I, I like actual performance objectively in the real world. And all of these fantasy fake evidence performance things, I don't like them. So, you know, you can, you can shift your state of mind. You can do sensory deprivation tanks and, you know, drink alcohol and dance and spin around a circle and get dizzy and, and sing and do all these different things that change your state of mind. Fine. Okay. But don't pretend that that's performance because it's not. Performance is performance. Show me the results. So spirituality, some people do it right, but I think a lot of people do not. I'm just super curious. I haven't actually heard, I don't think, your take on this. How do you feel about Jordan Peterson? He's right on most things. He's just wrong on uh, Christianity being the set that wins the most possible games. doesn't make any sense. I mean, Christianity is not winning. Like, Islam is on-ramping much more users, breeding much more kids. 
taking over much more countries. Islam is beating Christianity in the like, what will the world look like in a hundred years game. And so if it were the fact that Christianity was the best of the best, now look, I was raised a Christian. I was actually raised a Jehovah's Witness, funny as that was. No, no Christmas celebrating, no birthday celebrating. You're like, damn, I'm missing out on some <laughs> gifts here, man. Um, it's, you know, so I, I, I like Christian values. There's a lot of really cool values out there. Um, but like, just be accurate about the measurements there. There's underperforming and overperforming. Hey, if Christianity was so good, why are there a hundred different versions that are incompatible with each other? So what is the age of consent? What's up with abortion? Where are the dinosaurs? Why aren't the dinosaurs in the book? As a matter of fact, why isn't there anything in the book about electricity or germs or soap? As a matter of fact, the only things that are in that book are stuff that were widely known to goat herders at the time. Well, that's weird. And why are there contradictions in there? So like, you're just like, this is, why isn't there a table of contents? Why isn't it written in a language I speak? Why can't anyone agree on what got in and got taken out of the book? That book's been edited by men. There used to be other stuff in the book. They pulled it out. <laughs> you're like, hey, why don't you just issue a new book, bro? You're all powerful. Just make a new book. Easy. Yeah. It's just silly, right? So you're like, look, collectivism and grouping into groups to outperform other groups works. And it doesn't matter what the unifying factor is. You might be a sports team. It might be a city. It might be a nation. It might be a family. It might be a tribe. It might be friends or it might be a religion. Cooperation is effective. And, um, you know, outperforming and outcompeting other groups is effective. But there is some negative externality kind of downside kind of drawback stuff. And, and you want to not spend too much time in that. Because, like, if... It's, it's really simple. The vast majority of people are useful and the vast majority of people that think they're religious actually aren't. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you, I do this for street preachers and it's funny. I shouldn't do it, but I do it. Um, do you, were you raised a Christian? No, no. Okay. Agnostic. All right. Do you know the 10 commandments? Roughly. Yeah. Not to kill all that stuff. <laughs> well, go ahead. Let's, let's see how many you can get. This is the fun oh. part of the trivia question. Look, no one gets it right. So you're probably not going to yeah. get it right. Let's see how many out of 10 you get. Okay. Um, is love thy neighbor a commandment? No. Okay. Thou shall not kill. Um, yep. Thou shall not steal. Mm-hmm. Thou shall not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. Thou shall not blaspheme. Blas- blaspheme. Mm-hmm. No. I think that's pretty much it. You got four. Not bad, man. <laughs> You're 40% of the way through the pearly gates. <laughs> I, I hope it's not linear. Um, yeah. So like, I'll look it up real quick just so I don't miss any. So the first thing to know is that there aren't actually 10 commandments. There's 13 statements that are grouped into different sets of 10, depending on what religion you're in. So when I heard that, I'm like, so there's not even 10 commandments? Man, <laughs> I, I thought there was. I really thought there was. I, of the street preachers that I've hit this with, first you gotta set the frame up right. If you just ask them what the 10 commandments are, they, they slime their way out of it. And so you, you ease them into it, you say, hey, um, do you think I should follow the Ten Commandments? Yes. Do you think they're important? Yes. Do you follow them? Yes. What are they? Dun dun dun! <laughs> you gotta lock them in there so they can't slime out of it. It's hilarious. I'm like, hey, you know, there's other guys out here preaching. If you want to do a good job representing this religion, I don't think you're the right guy to be selling it. I think you need to do some more studying. So you might want to like take a look at who you are as a person and, and improve what you know about what you think you are. Mm-hmm. So let's look up these Ten Commandments real quick here. Yeah. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, which is like idols. 
Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Everyone misses that one. Honor thy mother and father. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Why is it just your neighbor? Is it important to include that part? Like you can lie about other people. It's a little weird. Thou shalt not covet the neighbor's house. And then a separate one, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And then a separate one, thou shalt not covet his slaves or animals or anything of thy neighbor. There's like three clauses for like possessions. So this is kind of like a, a, a property rights uh, issue here. Yeah. And you shall set up these stones, which I command you today on Mount Gerizim. I don't even remember that one. That never makes the list. <laughs> so like, okay, yeah, I didn't even know that one was in there. So now if you, if you like summarize this, basically you could turn this into a rap. And so I like kind of put this rap in my book. I am the Lord, thy God. That's Mimi rap. He's rapping about himself here. Okay. You're God. Got it. And then I'm really cool. And then don't think anyone else is cool. And then don't make any statues that make other people look cool. This is some Mimi rap. This is like driving up <laughs> in a Bentley. Okay. Convertible Bentley gold grill. Mom and dad are cool. Don't kill anybody. Don't bang anybody that you ain't supposed to. Don't steal stuff. Don't lie about some people. And then don't take these possessions. And of those possessions, wife is a possession. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, man, this is a little funky, man. You should redo these. These could be redone. <laughs> so no one gets these. Like, you'll, you'll never, first of all, this, like, put set up the stones thing. That never, ever makes it. And then, uh, like, breaking out. You know, you can't, I'm the one God and don't have any other gods. Breaking those into two things is weird, you know? And then like, also don't make any statues. You're like, ah, that's also really weird. Like, was that the biggest problem of the time? There was too many statues, you know? God, they're wasting all of the (laughs) the stone on these statues. Why don't you tell them about soap and how many kids could have been born without getting diseases because soap was there to get rid of all the germs. You could have told them about soap instead of all this crap. Anyway. (laughs) The Jews have it worse. The Jews have 696 laws. They consider everything he said is serious. The Christians are just like, yeah, he said a lot of stuff, but we just consider these 10 things that we don't remember most of. That's the important stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I have no idea how the Jewish people keep up with all those. They don't. Um, No one does. No no one actually follows the religion that they think they do. It's hilarious. Or they would be able to answer these questions. And they'd keep the Sabbath day holy. How's that going? The only people I know that keep the Sabbath day holy are actual Hasidic Jews. Yeah. <clears throat> Richard, you're, you're very smart, very successful. I, final question for you. Do you at this point have any mentors, any other people you look up to for guidance? No. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Read my book. I like me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I take good stuff where I find it, you know, but it's just, I've been alive a long time and I read a lot and I watched a lot and I figured most of it out. And now it's really hard to derive extra value from other people once you've kind of already figured everything out. So I've done all the personal development stuff. I've walked on burning coals. I've jumped off telephone poles. I've, uh, you know, (laughs) flown in helicopters over volcanoes, like whatever I've done it, man. And once you've like walked the walk and and remember the path, I can help others do that. And I, I don't need to absorb other people's content. I need to produce more of my own. I think that's an awesome place to leave it. So I, I really appreciate your time and the conversation. Um, where should people go if they're interested in, I guess Pulse would be the best place to sure. send them if they are interested, so, right? So, you know, if you want to participate in these last 14 and a half days of the sacrifice phase, you can donate to charity, sens.org. Go to sens.org. 
you're going to get 75% of the credit you otherwise would, but you're going to maybe get a tax write-off and maybe save some lives. So SENS.org. And then uh, if you want to make that political statement that speech is a protected human right and that blockchains are speech, then you can go to pulse.info, pulsechain.com, and you can sacrifice all kinds of different coins. Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, EOS, TRX, BNB, Binance Smart Chain, Binance Normal Chain, Bitcoin Cash, Lumens, XRP. We have brought a lot of adoption. All these coins want adoption. They all want use cases. We got it for you, boys. We got all the adoption you want right here. Sacrifice those coins. <laughs> and then uh, go to, we got 30,000 plus people in the uh, telegram, t.me forward slash pulsechain.com, t.me forward slash hexcrypto, hex.com, twitter.com forward slash Richard Hartwin. If you want the free books, t.me forward slash SciVive. Like, subscribe, click the bell. I awesome. think I got it all. Free books, so free too. coins, world's biggest airdrop. Awesome. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you, man. It was good talking to you, bro. And I'm glad you're up 50X or more. And I'm glad you read SciVive because back when you probably read it, it was messy. We have since edited it. <laughs> it it's was. better now. Yeah. It was messy, but there was still really, really good information, yeah. which is what matters. Awesome, man. Where can people follow you? Just follow me over my YouTube. So my name is Lewis Thomas. It's spelled the funny French way, like the king. So L-O-U-I-S. <laughs> but it's still pronounced Lewis. You can blame my parents for that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just follow me over there. Awesome, Again, man. like, subscribe. 